Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Thanks for checking out this feed of my favorite interviews and best guests over the last seven years. Whether it's your first time or you're already in a deep dive, make sure you head to BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com for the entire archive. You can sort by genre, year, and more to easily navigate all your favorite people. Again, that is BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. What if I told you you could get a big snack almost anywhere for less than five bucks? Let's talk 7-Eleven's $3 big meal deal with seven rewards. Big meal deal is a big bite hot dog and a large big gulp drink, and you won't find a better snack deal anywhere else. Here's what I put on my hot dog. Mustard. And that's it. That's it. I love a hot dog with mustard. Maybe if the chili, if I'm feeling it, if I'm feeling crazy, maybe a little chili, maybe a little nacho cheese, but I'm a hot dog and mustard guy. But if that sounds like your kind of bite, visit 7-Eleven, valid through 1725. 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, applicable on large, big gulp only. Participating U.S. stores only. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. Colin Farrell's here. Chris Ryan is here. We're excited for this one. Thank you, We've man. enjoyed your career. Thank you. Um, to say, say the least. You say it like it's over. No. <laughs> yeah, no. We've enjoyed, enjoyed it. It's been a fun century with you. Stepping away into the sunset. <laughs> um, you've been doing these things for these, what do they call these, junkets? This isn't really a junket, is, though. I don't feel like it's a junket. It's a little yeah. tour. Yeah. It's a little interview tour. A little press tour. Yeah, so you like this stuff? No, not at all. No. <laughs> what's what's the I, best I like part traveling. about it? The best part is traveling. Like yeah. I, I got to go to um, Tokyo last week. Oh. Only two nights. You don't see much, but you certainly see a lot more Tokyo than you would if you were in Los Angeles. Are you just stuck in a hotel the whole time? No, uh, for the majority of the day. There was, let me see, we arrived, we arrived, uh, we had three nights. We arrived late one night, we slept that night, did a whole day of press. So we were six, eight hours in the hotel the next day, mm-hmm. did a screening that night. And then the next day we did a couple of things, took about two hours. And then we had the rest of the day just to walk around and get some ramen and, and have a little look at some cherry blossoms. And That's nice. Tokyo's beautiful. That's the best part of it by a mile for me. I mean. Going in different countries. Yeah, I have no desire to talk about I love talking about films, about other people's films. I love yeah. films. I've always loved films. I love talking about aesthetic and performances and, and where a film got me or where it didn't get me. But oh, talk that, about, that's what we're going to do on this podcast. <laughs> cool, man. So let's, talk about, let's talk about that's other people's That's what we do. We let's like, talk about other people's work. We can talk yeah. about other movies. We're yeah, going to talk I about love, yours, but we'll talk about other ones. Yeah, yeah. What, love, so what were the formative movies for you when you were growing up? Uh, what were the ones that made you want to be an actor? With the formative ones, the ones I remember most, uh, like in my early childhood and then into my teens were, were the Indiana Jones and Spielberg played a huge part in my life as a lover of film, I suppose, fan of film uh, when I was a kid. So E.T. was the first memory I have of a film in the cinema. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's the first memory I have. Literally, I remember- It's still in the argument for top five all time. I mean, E.T.? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. I think it's, it's got to be at least discussed. Extraordinary, yeah. Extraordinary yeah. film. Cried, cried, cried. So hard watching it had such an emotional kind of outpouring. And I was thinking recently and someone asked me about that experience and it really did allow me to have, um, to have a, yeah, an emotional outpouring, uh, to feel my own, uh, sound ridiculous humanity at the age of six or seven yeah. in relation to the emotional life that lived inside me in a way that I wasn't allowed in the house I grew up in, or I wasn't allowed in school. I just felt like I had, this permission to just feel and to express 
my feelings, which, you know, culminated in just Kleenex, box of Kleenex being used in, <laughs> in a matter of mere minutes as soon as the flower started to wilt towards the end. Um, so that was my first memory. And then, you know, Indiana Jones. Yeah, just loving Indiana Jones, the escape of Indiana Jones. Roger Moore as, as Bond. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Absolutely. I get the argument for Sean Connery being the best. And certainly that argument was clearer pre-Daniel Craig era. Um, but just, I grew, it's, it's a case of who do you grow up in? Where does your nostalgia lie? And my nostalgia lies still to this day with Roger Moore and the twinkle is his, in his so eye. So that was my and first Bond too, is Roger Moore. Yeah. So I always feel like kind of a... Same here. Kind of ties to him. Yeah, a little protective of him. Yeah. He, you know, he was never really too much of a threat. Right. Yeah, you know? I th- I think that I grew up watching the Connery movies around my house. But you, when, I think there's like the bond you see when you're like 13 or 14 is the bond that you're going to remember yeah. always. Yeah. Which I think is why people get, you know, instantly um, kind of aggressive when they hear that a remake is being done of a film that meant something to them in their childhood. Yeah. Because it feels like somebody's pissing all over your youth or pissing all over the validity of your opinion, the opinion that you had when you were 12 or 14 that you still carry with you as an adult, I think. Yeah. Um, well, you went through that with Total Recall. Yeah, a little bit. Because you had a whole bunch of people like, why are you doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Totally. We like the old ones. Stop. I was, I was kind of one of them. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you. So I had this I had this kind of struggle between being a fan, like a real lover of the original. Yeah. And I used to love all Schwarzenegger stuff as well, man. Me too. You know, Running Man is classic stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that one they could remake. Running Man would, I feel like Running I feel Man like could come back. they unintentionally have remade Running Man with like modern society. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You could tell me Running Man was Anything actually that on. Says, Anything that says post-apocalyptic yeah, is yeah. borrowed from But just even if sure. I turned on the television one night and Running Man was on, I don't know that I wouldn't believe it. Like if it was a reality totally. TV show yeah. produced yeah. by yeah. LeBron James. Like, oh, shit, this guy's getting chased. <laughs> There's no doubt that shit's been pitched already. <laughs> oh, it, just, yeah. it just hasn't got I the green light yet. I think there is like a Russian show where it's like, this guy dies. <laughs> yeah, it just hasn't got the green light. Who does it? If there's a second term, <laughs> yeah, just you know, you got about another another yeah. five years to, to get that one in. That's right. Yeah, I would I would be okay with remaking that one. I mean, the Predator one was interesting. Yeah, but it is it is funny to be old enough to remember the original versions of a lot of these movies. That I just get remaking. really freaked out yeah. with all the anniversary celebrations. Oh, yeah, because gosh. they just creep up on you, or you don't. Because I'm 41, and now they now there are things that. You know, I'll remember parts of my life where I was like, oh, I was living in New York in the early 2000s. And now those movies. Yeah. What did we go and see recently outside this summer just passed in, uh, was it San Pedro? I can't remember, but we went to see somewhere down south. E.T., I think the 25th anniversary of E.T., God, it's all going way too fast. Well, we're doing it this week at the the site that we have. We're doing a whole celebration of all the movies from 1999. It's like Fight Club and Eyes Wide Shut. The Matrix. The Matrix. Blair Witch wow. Project. Blair Witch. It was like one of the great movie years wow. of all time. Yeah. Sixth Sense. Fight Club was amazing. Sixth Sense was amazing. A um, lot of good sports movies that year, yeah. but it was David it was a Fincher, lot of people throwing their movie. fastball. Yeah, Eyes yeah. Wide Shut and Magnolia. Yeah. Magnolia. Oh, yeah. I mean, anything P.T. Anderson does, you know. God. Did you work with him? No, I'd love to. I'd love to. He's the only stock answer I have when I'm asked, what filmmaker would you like to work oh, with? I, I don't really have a list. I'm a fan of so many filmmakers. and um, But he's the only one that I just have a stock answer. I just pull it out. Yeah. So ever since Heart 8 and, and Magnolia and Boogie Nights and, and then even his more austere work yeah. of yeah. recent, you know, there seems to have been a sea change in his work from The Master and uh, Or There Will Be Blood was just a film that I, I was so blown away by the extraordinariness of it. But I also felt that's how powerful it was. I felt kind of sick at the end of it. Yeah. Like Daniel plain view sickness, to. Yeah. you know, really. And I remember I had it shown of it in my house and I had about 12 mates over back in the days when I had 12 friends. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I stood up at the end of the film. I said, that is a piece of genius and I never want to see it again. I've since changed my mind. Yeah. I haven't seen it again. I will at some stage, but I just think he's an extraordinary filmmaker. Did you see the last one he did? I Phantom loved it. Phantom Thread. Thread? Yeah. He oh came in. God. He came on this podcast. Did he talk about it. It was awesome. Oh man, I yeah. thought it was just beautiful. The first 10 minutes of it, I just was dizzy with the symphonic element of the camera moving and what he was capturing. I just... He's and Daniel Day-Lewis was really throwing 100 miles an hour in that movie. He was so yeah. good. I mean, he still has it where every, it's like the World Cup. Like he makes something every four years and you've got to watch it. It's like, it is, you know, it's an event. Yeah. yeah. Got to yeah, take my hat off to it. You've done different versions of that, right? You've been, you were doing like big market movies, but now now you seem like you're in this zone where you're just 
doing things for you versus I just feel like, like I'm, I, I just feel like I'm floating man I feel like I'm floating between genres I'm floating between scale of films you know so um, what's driving you at this point just uh, the part like what are you looking at when you look at a script there's a few things trying that to drive talk? me a need to provide for my family drives me um still it's not yeah what it may seem from the outside looking in there's that it's a job but just talking creatively self-servingly in regards to my creative engine or curiosity um what drives me is is the unknown really hmm. i mean that's when it's most interesting when the unknown meets a curiosity a curiosity that you mightn't have even known you had like i i read the killing of a sacred deer and i go what in god's name is this about what's it trying to say is it trying to say anything is it just a is it just a set of circumstances piling one after another after another to build and ratchet up the tension in the 90 minutes that it's going to last what is the allegorical component of it what is but once i start being confused by something in that vein then the ink is nearly on the paper yeah you know what yeah. i mean but it's not always that you get that so it's different things like dumbo uh, working with tim burton the yeah. desire to work with Tim Burton drove me purely. And then on a film that was so earnest and sweet and had such a lovely message at its center was gorgeous, was was kind of a, you know, was gilding the lily. But just working with Burton, having been a fan of his for 30 plus years and growing up watching Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice and all those things. I mean, sure, that was a dream come true for me. Did you, what'd you learn from him? What was the number one thing you learned watching I don't know work? what I learned from him. It's very hard to say, would you, you know, anytime I see somebody that's been around as long as he's been around or been as, around as long as Pacino had been around when I did the recruit with him four lifetimes ago. Yeah. When you, when you see that their level of passion, I can't compare their level of passion today to what it was 30 years ago, but it's still astonishing to see the level of engagement that someone like Tim Burton has in the whole process of creating the worlds that he creates his attention to detail, his his entire kind of consummation in relation to the project was pretty impressive. I'd watch him behind the monitor and he'd be... Yeah. <laughs> like full-on ugly face acting with all the actors and then they'd say, cut, need... And then walk onto the set and give his, give his notes, you know? And he's just... He's a, he's a beauty, that man. He's just... Every cell in his body vibrates with creative energy. He really does. He's He's pure eccentric magic he really really is do you still get surprised when you walk on sets yeah because like, there's still stuff that happens on a movie set that you're like oh crap i've never i mean I, it's a pretty familiar place to me now while respecting that every set has its own tone and energy and pace and all that jazz um but on the sets of the uh, dumbo i did find myself pinching myself a couple of times mm -hmm. yeah wow. for sure because of the scale of the sets and the beauty of the sets and like i'd walk onto the the big set did you see the film no, we didn't. There's, 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 there's a there's a scene halfway through the film when we leave our little podunk circus and we align ourselves with the darkness that is Michael Keaton's character, um, and we have an introductory scene as we're brought into his new big fandangled theme park, and I used to walk that set on my own every now and then. It was just the most extraordinary piece of craftsmanship and imagination come to life. And at any given day, like when we were shooting that scene of us arriving into this theme park and there was people on the left and right, fathers and mothers and their children and balloons and candy cane. And there was a 20 piece brass band and 10 people on horseback. And there was 20 Ford Model T cars from the period, 600 wow. extras all going at the same time. And this was inside a building. This wasn't even outside. It was the weirdest thing. You'd walk 10 o'clock in the morning, sun's beating outside an hour outside of London and you'd walk after having your breakfast into this dark, cavernous, monolithic space and there would be all this life and imagination coming to life. And I got a tear in my eye the first day I arrived on the That's set. That's like Cecil B. DeMille stuff. I, yeah. It really, man, it was so, it was like Orson Welles said, you know, you, you finally get to play with the biggest toy set, train set in the yeah. world, you know. It was extraordinary, really. I mean, there's a lot of CGI in the film, of course, you know, there's a an awful an awful dearth of flying elephants in the world at the moment, so we had to stretch the realms of reality there. Yeah. But everything that's that you can kind of see within 50 yards of any of the action in the film was was all there. Well, you worked with, you've worked with a bunch of famous actors. Is it easier to work with a famous actor when you're not famous yet or when you're an established person? Is it easier to work with a famous actor when you're not famous When you're like yet? the unproven guy trying to catch up or when you're actually a peer? That's a really like good, what was it like to really do recruit with Pacino? Yeah, and you're that's basically really like good. you haven't proven yourself to him yet, but you also have nothing to lose. 
I mean, it's no, it's a really good question. Um, I mean, I've worked with. It depends. It depends on how much. It depends on how much focus you give to the other. Yeah, it really does. I just realized because I've worked with, I've worked through the years. I remember one actor on this film. I did London Boulevard, and he was extraordinary. And he came in and he did one scene, and he was amazing. And I just thought I couldn't compete with him. Now I shouldn't be. Right. <laughs> I shouldn't even be thinking of competing with him. It's not supposed to be a competition. It's supposed to be some you know, parallel mutual experience of bringing a story to life through listening and sharing and listening and sharing and being affected by and or not. Yeah. Depending on the, but um, I don't know. I, 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 through the years, have paid less attention to the other in, in, in the form of competition. Yeah. So now I get excited when somebody comes in to do one or two days and I don't know who they are. I get excited to see what they'll bring to the table. And I don't get too nervous working with established names like Chris uh, and I are competing right now yeah. you can't see it <laughs> no 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 it's, it's, dual it's, it's, it's like yeah. no, there's the a is, whole little mind game going on <laughs> right now with thick us. with tension <laughs> I noticed it as soon as I walked in because you worked with when was Minority Report that was like 2002 and you're working with Cruz, and he's the biggest star in the world. And you're, yeah. and you're on set with Spielberg, who you yeah. already yeah. got and this Spielberg, like, thing in your head. About him. Yeah, I might have felt. Oh yeah, a, Spielberg, your hero. I might have felt a bit of pressure on that one. <laughs> but I was also, you know, I was I was cocky as anything back then, and I was, yeah. and I, I honestly, it's like straight up, I wasn't very sober ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like if I wasn't, if I didn't have a buzz going, I had the nervousness and the kind of strange ethereal high that comes with the next day thing yeah. there's a confidence in a hangover you know yeah absolutely like the, confidence yeah. Uh, that touches madness yeah which doesn't really hinder the creative process i mean maybe would i don't i'll never know what work i would have done if i was more straight but um but no i was i was a bit nervous i was nervous i'm always nervous going to work I, yeah. I like fear is not an enemy to me at all you know to this day uh i'm fairly hard on myself and you know it's something that's quotidian it's it defies any kind of conventional mathematical measurements so it, it's always interpretation and sure there's nobody that could interpret my worth <laughs> right. as as cruelly as i could interpret it myself at times you know um what do you remember about those five years before you went into rehab like does stuff blur together like because you made um, a lot of movies yeah you hosted snl yeah well, you know that, you were in the mix I, I with stuff snl i can't remember much of that week to be honest with you really Honestly, I can't remember much of the show. I can't remember much of that week. I remember, I know, I know, I have the feeling that I had a good time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that has lingered through the mists of time and sobriety. But I can't remember much of that week. I don't remember much of Miami Vice. Oh, we, we wanted to talk about Miami at Vice. At all, sure. I don't remember much of it at all. I mean, when I saw the film, there were some scenes that was, was interesting because I could kick back and watch them as if it was the first time I had anything like, seriously. Who's this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> He's who, making some great choices. He's got a mustache. Yeah, who chose, who chose that mullet? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. But no, I remember I remember my initial arrival here very much. But yeah, there's, it all kind of blends in. It was a very foggy time and it was just a lot. Look, the smallest violin in the world shouldn't play for the loneliness or the sense of dislocation or the kind of uh, the guilt that can come with success yeah. when it comes so fast. You know, it's not a poor me at all. But just to be honest with you, I, it was a lot for me personally to experience 
like I see, I hear about Justin Bieber. He's taking a bit of time or, or whatever. I go, God bless him. Good for it's a it's a lot. Again, I'm not saying sad story. Poor Justin. I know there's people starving in the world. I know there's people living under greater duress and hardship than Justin or myself back in the day or whatever. I get it. I get it. But it's a lot. It, you, it's we, a lot to yeah. give a child. You know, to give a young man. How old whatever. were you? You're well, like I was 22 or three. Yeah. I, was a young, yeah. I was a young man, but I was 22 or three. Who knows what? How you gauge someone's emotional development? But I was maybe. 12 some days, seven other days, 17 right. other days, you know. I also remember when Tigerland came out, it was like, this is the fucking guy. Like, yeah. really yeah, it was mad. It was mad. It, it was, you didn't really do like a lot of time no, in the minors. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I earned about 30 grand for Tigerland. Yeah. I earned 375 grand for my second film. Was that SWAT? I, no, that was um, American Outlaws. Okay. And I earned $2.5 million for my third film Jesus I mean that's insane I was 22 or 3 yeah. I was getting invitations to the Playboy Mansion my head was on a swivel you know and I I, I, I think pretty quickly just because I didn't know how to I, I had no I had no relationship to that degree of fame in my life I didn't see it growing up I didn't have anyone that I saw handle it in any way good or bad I didn't have any cautionary tales that were close to me I didn't have any decent example of how to you know generate an integrity or sense of dignity that was close to me so I was just figuring it out you know myself as a young kid doing all the things the majority of 22 year olds would have done but yeah. I but I always had a voracious appetite yeah so it was like I always from the time I started drinking when I was 14 or carousing or whatever I always had a, a big engine so that engine just got stuffed with opportunity and opportunity and so you know I ended up but I lost the thing was I lost sight of um I lost sight of just the really little pure spark. And you guys, I'm sure, have your own version of this, of why you do what you do. Yeah. You know, yeah, you got to provide as well for whoever you have to provide for. But there's something that allows you, I assume, to do something that you're doing for your livelihood, but also engenders a great deal of passion. Yeah. Which can ebb at times we get. But for me, I totally lost sight of, and that was what I realized in Miami Vice. I totally lost sight of how excited I felt when I did my first acting workshop when I was 16 or 17. Was that because of this particular circumstances around Miami Vice or was that because, uh, was that just because of was the say You were down, you were yeah, going no, downhill. Yeah, it was in a cumulative thing, you know. Yeah. It was just years of, I mean, I traveled a lot. And look, I, I missed, I missed weddings at home. I missed funerals at home. I, I, I missed really important community, family, friend experiences that, you know, are day-to-day -day things. But, in, in the total lacking of them in a person's life, it, it, it hurts, you know, it hurts you emotionally, it hurts you psychologically. And I was, I was on the road. I was on the road for pretty much, it was a six or seven year chapter in my life. Um, yeah, but when you talk about like the tiny violin thing, yeah. see, I think this stuff is fascinating and it's something that, you know, obviously we care about sports and pop culture. That's what we cover at the ringer and we're into and it's a lot Let's of the same sports, obstacles. Man. Let's talk boxing. Well, it's the same <laughs> obstacles, right? Where yeah. you have in the NBA, you have some kid who's 20 who comes in the league who all of a sudden he's making $7 million a year. So much. And he's got all these people in his life who want something from him. Sure. And all of a sudden he's being recognized everywhere yeah. he goes. And he's got all these pressures that he never had before. And some people don't handle it well. And I yeah. think Hollywood, that's been a recurring theme for 100 years. Yeah, I mean, I I, I suppose I, I, without knowing it, I vacillated somewhere between needing it to a certain degree or wanting it. Um, no, I think needing it to a certain degree, needing it, like what is fame? What, do, what does fame to the majority of us represent? Certainly in our younger ages and maybe our relationship to it matures regardless of how close or how distant it is to us, maybe just as a result of contemplation. But as children, fame equals acceptance. Mm -hmm. Acceptance, steroids. money and women. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, you could say money and women equal acceptance, how we process them. Right. So acceptance is the linchpin through which all these kind of reaches that human beings make through their lives are contingent upon, our desire to be accepted. Um, so I, I obviously had that to get on. I mean, I was an actor. I went to theater school. I was kind of serious about the journey of being an actor initially. And then all this stuff, I got on the plane, I came to Los Angeles and all this stuff happened really fast where the swell of attention and what felt like acceptance um was so much more aggressive and so much more apparent because it was so big. It's just yeah. a lot of energy than even my own passion. I didn't have enough 
I didn't have enough history exploring my passion. I didn't do five years of theatre and two years yeah. of television and four yeah. small films in Ireland. I didn't have enough of a personal relationship with acting. I had done it for three or four years and all of a sudden I was at the centre of these American films. So I just didn't. So you would have been better off like ending up on ER as... A who, doctor for three years, just kind of getting knows? work and then getting who, a chance. Who fucking knows? Yeah. Because it's like, you know, but what I, happened to you is like only happens once every 10 years. Like it, it happened to you and Matthew McConaughey where it's like never heard of the guy to like the pace like, with which it happened. Yeah. 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 The, the, honestly, the pace with which Julia it Roberts had happened to when she she did Pretty Woman and was the biggest star in the world all yeah, of a sudden. Yeah. She yeah. had been in like two movies. Yeah, no, it's that. very, it's very rare. And it's Julia sustained it with, with interesting work and good choices and, and things working out in her favor. And but she struggled no. for a couple of years too. She did. Oh yeah. 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 I think it's after hard. pretty, after pretty woman. Well, the other thing that, yeah. And the other thing we didn't even mention is, you know, when you hit, when you're up there and you make a movie that maybe isn't that good and you're getting critiqued for the first time and oh, yeah. there's all these other things that are like, Whoa, I thought I was great. Wait, yeah. um, and then you have or all else that you never thought you were great and you're feeling oh now oh now they're, they're being honest me. about me now yeah they're right me. now they see what i've always felt myself but yeah i didn't need to check in with because everyone was saying that i was something else that i wasn't that nobody is that it's all an illusion i mean that's what i've learned in the years it's all just an illusion the fame thing the idea of success is so subjective yeah you know honestly i mean the idea is someone says with well, you your success what does that even mean what do they know about my life? What do they know about me as a man, as a father, as, as a friend? What am I like as a brother? Right. You know, you know, what do I feel about my own worth? All those things, like surely they are more meaningful than any kind of thing that could give somebody from the outside looking in a perspective on how successful or unsuccessful my life is. Likewise, somebody saying you're not successful. What the, you know, what does anyone know? <laughs> does so that much. feeling change how you relate to things like athletes or like, or pop? Like, I have massive respect for athletes. Look, I was, I was, I was, I was going to be an athlete. I thought I was going to be an athlete until I was fourteen. My what dad, were you gonna do? my dad was a professional football player, soccer. Yeah, and his brother as well. And they played for Shamrock Rovers back yeah. in the day when Shamrock Rovers were a big team and wow. even on the European stage. And he played for Ireland a couple of times. And that was what I thought until I was about fourteen. I was going to do. Um, what position were you? I was, I was all over the place, to be honest, which I played striker, a couple of good years at striker, and then I went left half, kind of left side defensive midfielder, uh, and then I ended up in goals. I, I worked on my way back down the pitch. There's <laughs> this story in my life, man, jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was what, and, and boxing, I've been an avid fan of boxing all my life, never boxed, but been a, ma I have enormous respect for athletes and for the singularity. Look, the, the, the success, any kind of perceived success for me and what I do is contingent upon so many people saying it's a success or it's not. I mean, yeah. that's just yeah. it. It's, it's, it's two things. It's the public going to see your work and enjoying it or not enjoying it. And it's critics saying your work is worthwhile or not worthwhile. Uh, and the beautiful thing, the purity of sports is something that art nor should it compete with, but will never be able to touch the purity of sport. And I there's think, winner, a definitive winner and loser. Just definitive sport. winner yeah. or loser. The, the, you know, team sports are one thing. The singularity of some sports, none more kind of gut-wrenchingly gut perilous to the individual as boxing, but also tennis. You know, there are sports where it's just, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, it's just person against person. The mano a mano. Oh, it's just, yeah. it's amazing to me. And it's just brilliant. And the boldness of spirit that reveals itself in sport finds it hard to, 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 work its way into the arena of art. What you know. is in Ireland? What are the, what, what are the rankings for most popular sports right now? I think is uh, soccer still one. Yeah, I would say so. I would and then say, as, as McGregor changed MMA, nah, not really. No, I, I would say, um, I would say soccer, rugby, rugby. And I would imagine those are more popular than I could be wrong than our national sports of Gaelic football and hurling, hurling yeah. which yeah. are, hugely popular sports and get massive sellout crowds of 40 and 60,000 regularly at games. They're incredibly Have popular. you been to one of those? I, I When I lived in Ireland, I lived in Cork for six months. Oh, did you? Where, yeah. yeah. In 99, I was, I was there. In Cork yeah. City? Yeah. Cork's a great place. Yeah, it was, it was really Did you get fun. down to the coast at all? A little bit, yeah. Did you go down to the Barra Peninsula? Yeah, yeah. Go to Castletown Bear? Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. So you had a pint of McCarthy's boat? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was did quick, it, it was it? like Galway. Ding, ding, ding. I did Galway, I did. Galway's great. Dublin, and we did a lot of like, yeah. Just Dublin's a great town. The West Coast is beautiful. That'd be, the way, yeah. 
to the all the places I've traveled, the west coast, southwest coast of Ireland, and and Big Sur up there. I gotta do this. I've never done. Uh, You've never been to Ireland? Oh, you will. Do you play golf? Twenty five percent Irish. I don't play golf. Do you play golf? I do. Oh, I mean, it just gets better. That's why I have to go. I'm twenty five percent Irish. I feel like I have to go. Yeah, 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 for sure. Do uh, the Irish celebrities? Is there is there like a text chain that you guys are all on? No, no, no. no. McGregor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not the biggest Slack channel. We're not the biggest demographic in the world, but for you know. a population of four and a half million people. God. Yeah. We do all right, man. Yeah. We do okay. You I mean, know, seriously, music. LA is LA is probably what five times the size of Ireland. How big is LA now? It's like definitely fifteen million, it, twenty million. It feels like, like it 17, takes as long yeah, to drive yeah. across Los Angeles as it does to drive drive, drive across Ireland. Yeah, yeah, it's about that. <laughs> Depends if you're coming from Encino and yeah. rush hour traffic. It's about the same coast to coast at home. Yeah, small have you, island. Have you met the U two guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know all the boys. Yeah. So what happens? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what hey, happens? man. Yeah, they get on stage, they do their thing, and you're lucky enough you get a little VIP pass to the old. You know, yeah, yeah. All right, we're gonna talk Miami Vice. Okay. Um, we we should prep him about like yeah. We, yeah. So we do this podcast. One of the podcasts we do here is called the Rewatchables, where we rewatch movies that we love. And last year we did my, or was it this year or last year? Last year we did Miami Vice because. 90 minutes long. Him and I both feel like it's an... It is it a 90-minute cut? Is no, it's a 90-minute podcast. podcast. Oh, God. I was going to say, <laughs> so, is Michael Mann doing an Oliver Stone? Oliver, no, no, Oliver no. cut five versions of Alexander. He was so demented. Oh, my by God. It. I remember that. Anyway, yeah, totally. So we felt like it was this underrated classic, but we just felt like it was us. And then there's like on the, the internet, say there's that, this man. whole thing. Yeah, I know, I'm aware of that. And it's become like a this... whole classic. Belated classic. Told you. <laughs> Just like you drew it up. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So I, you don't remember. Just because I don't remember it doesn't mean I don't think it was a classic. <laughs> so you don't remember that much from it? Not that much. No. I mean, I remember it was a, it was a tough shoot. It was a tough, long shoot. It was like shoot. a legendary Some tough shoot. wild shit happened then, right? You're in Cuba and Miami? Yeah, someone got shot in the set in the Dominican. Oh, my God. There was, yeah, there was a storm in, in Miami, really aggressive, and I can't remember her name. And it tore down all the glass and all the buildings and brickle. And we were flying in a helicopter that day. There was, there was plane to plane shooting that was not safe at all. It was all. But you must have kind of secretly liked it a little bit. There was all manner of madness. You know what? I was pretty up for it. Yeah, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah, I was pretty up for it. Because was there a story at the end? In the ending, he wanted to film it somewhere, and Jamie Foxx was like, "I'm not, I'm not going there." You yeah, have well, to that, change was, location. that was post. Yeah, that was post the shootout on the set. Which was, I just remember being, that bit I remember. I remember my dad was visiting that day and we were on the set in a building upstairs on the first or second floor of a building, uh, on the first floor of a building I had a ground floor. And we, uh, with there, Gong Lee was there. We were about to do a scene. My dad was visiting and I remember hearing a couple of bangs and look, I'd shot about 10,000 rounds in preparation for that film. So I knew what a firearm going off sounded right. like. And I grabbed Gong Lee and my dad and took them to a back room, said, wait there, and went out, and there was all sorts of commotion and just absolute panic. And what had happened, I'm not really clear on it, but I think uh, the army that was offering security, because we were shooting in a dodgy part of town, were a bunch of kids. I mean, they were like 18, 19, I think, and they were carrying AR-15s or whatever it was, and an off-duty cop, I believe, who was lit, uh-oh. tried to get on the set. Oh, no. And the kid in full fatigues pushed him back and the off-duty cop didn't, didn't, uh, didn't tell the back. guy he was a cop. He didn't do, they didn't identify himself as law enforcement and he took a six-shooter out of his waistband, oh, no. out of his Bermuda pants with his belly hanging over them, waistband. Oh, my God. And he, your man, I think, let go a couple of rounds one of the rounds or two of the rounds hit the cop. I know he was shot. One of the rounds went through a porta potty where if somebody was in there, they were brown bread. Yeah. The, I saw the bullet hole through the porta potty. Through the, you know. And, uh, and that was when, yeah, Jamie went, um, fuck this. And That's insane. Respect to him, you know, respect to him. He had enough respect for himself. I did, I, you know. Yeah. But we had to, yeah, the, the end of the film was going to take place in um, Dominican and, and we had to move it to Miami. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that's happened with that movie is because the TV's got nicer, like the TV right there, and the widescreen, and the pictures. So the some of these movies that were shot earlier than the last ten years, yeah, have just translated really well oh, to beautiful. the equipment we have. And now. that movie didn't look like anything else. No, time. he's yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Visually, it was it was astounding. Yeah. What uh, what part did you wish you had gotten that you didn't get 
that as like your big regret part. Do you have one? I don't have one. You don't have one? No. No, I don't have one. Uh, or a part that you were going to do and you had to at the last minute back I mean, out? I mean, I could tell you films that I love that I would have gone, God, I would have loved to have given that part a go, but but uh, they were done so extraordinary. Give me you know, one of those. What part were you the most uh, jealous of? Oh, her. Oh, yeah. Oh, Spike wow. Jones, her, yeah. Oh, I just thought it was just... And I mean, Joaquin was... Yeah. As, as he is in every single performance he, he gives, he was astonishing in it and beautiful and heartfelt and so fucking present, you know? Um, so her would be one of them, yeah, that I just... I, I saw that film. It was my favorite film of that year. Yeah, for sure. We just had the five-year... Remember we were talking about the five-year Oscars? Yeah. That was in that the was mix in there. It was in that. the mix. We her basically was. were talking about, like, they shouldn't do... The Oscars every year, they should do like Oscars for the five years of movies. That's it should be cool. five, like five years later, so we have some time to think about to yeah. digest it. Yeah, yeah, whether yeah. not get caught up. How in much all is the, the ambush of marketing and have our opinions? Do you, you make know, like a ten best list at the end of the year? Do you like write like make little lists of stuff? No, but I I come across them every yeah. now and then online or whatever. Yeah, yeah. What are some of the things you loved in the last year? In the last year, the last few years. Then, did you see the writer? Yeah. I loved, yeah. The writer was amazing. Yeah, it was beautiful. I really loved, I loved Get Out. Yeah, I actually liked great. last year more than 2018 where like Get Out and Lady Bird and I just thought it was a really creative yeah. year. Last year, I gotta say, I really liked The Star is Born. Yeah. And I just felt like it was like an old school Hollywood movie, like the kind of movie I grew up with, with big stars. Yeah, yeah. Shot really well and just yeah. stars being stars. And I still feel like, in the era of uh, everybody putting on a cape. Mm. It was just nice to see a movie with stars yeah, that had grounded. a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. And I wish that happened more often. Did you did you ever have a chance to be like a cape where you'd have to make like seven sequels of a movie? And no. Do that whole thing? No, I never had the chance. I did I did Daredevil long before Marvel. I remember yeah. you're the bad guy, long right? Long before, yeah, Marvel became what it is today. But no, I've never had the chance, no. There are a couple of movies from right after Miami Vice, especially in that period, that I was really surprised because they mean a lot to me. But I was like surprised they didn't like pop. Like Pride and Glory, oh, actually, yeah. is a mo movie that I think is like super underrated. Are there are there films like that, and where you're like, either that have caught on later later on, but or that you were surprised at the time that people didn't find, or disappointed that they didn't find. Disappointed, yes. Yeah. Surprised, no. I mean, I I because I I honest to God have no expectation in my suitcase I, I just I just don't travel with it and it's not even a decision maybe it's a little bit of a decision it's a good philosophy that's but, good but honest to God no expectation in my suitcase I like it yeah. but I, I, I hope all the time like you go to work there's no director in the world I don't give a shit how bad people say his films there's no one in the world that goes to work to make a shit film or bore people you know yeah. so you always have hope that what I, I've always had hope that what I'm stepping into will find a life afterwards and will either entertain, offer escapism, offer pro a provocation, whatever it may be. Um, I was disappointed. There was a film I did that I loved called Undine. Yeah. That nobody saw. I think it did like 750 grand at the box I, office. I didn't even see that yeah. one. No, nobody saw that one? Bill, I, I think I remember it. seeing it when it came out, maybe. Nobody saw it. And I just thought it was a, look, it's not an earth shattering film, but I thought it was a very sweet film and it had a lot of integrity and heart and, and is that Neil Jordan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote and directed it, and I just I had a, and just kind of came in. I had a and very deep affection for the character in that film, and and there was some points of interest that we crossed on, or points of experience that that character myself crossed on, uh, and nobody, yeah, just didn't. Nobody knew what they didn't know what to do with it. They hadn't got the money to market it. Not that it would have ever done huge anyway. It was quite intimate, quite small. But there are films like that, Pride and Glory. Um, See, I have very little objectivity over what I've done because my experience with it is so total in relation to three or four months of doing something, getting to know the people I'm working with, being in another location, what's happening in my life while I'm shooting that film. There's so much information that I experience in the making of a film that then to go and see it reduced to this hour and a half, I know. two hour soundbite, yeah. it's just weird. Was it cool working with Edward Norton on that? Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed working with Ed. Yeah, he yeah. was good. Yeah, 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 he was good. He's very bright and all about the business. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed working with him. Um, and that film, yeah. Gavin so O'Connor went to great lengths, you know, to to do the NYPD as much justice as he could. There was a lot of police lads that were there, you know, giving us details that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And 
You've had you've had to do an American accent in some movies. What you've had some trial and error with it. What what tricks do you have when you do it? What it what did you uh, base shares on? But accents depends on the accent. You know, I've had different dialect coaches through the years. I've had um, four or five different dialect coaches. The one I'm working with now, I've worked on maybe four or five projects with. Did True Detective with her and yeah, did Dumble with her and Fantastic Beasts, a few other things. Um, again, it's that thing you do. You just don't. Or I certainly don't know what I look. It's one of two things: accent work. I believe it's either a conduit into the character, or it's a barrier that'll keep you away from a sense of freedom that you need to explore something to the depth that you should explore it. Oh, that's interesting. And and a lot of that is down to yeah. your own mental head games and your level of uncertainty or your lack of familiarity. So. What I have found is the more and more familiar you can be with it, the more and more, of course, like anything, you work on it, then the more freedom you have within it, and then the more you can throw the classroom away and just be in the playground. You, know? you haven't you done do, a Boston when, movie, though, right? Huh? Have you, have you done a Boston movie uh, yet? Boston, no. That no. one will be easy for you if you're ever Boston, that. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boston, The Irish no. and the English created He's pretty Boston. hard to please, I did though, Chicago. I did, a, I did a fairly heavy, we went for it and did a fairly heavy uh, accent for this film, Widows, I did, and I got... Hung oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I, I, I went for it, man, and I don't know. I make no apologies for that one. But uh, Widows, I think Widows is going to have legs. It came out, it did okay, but I think uh, when it hits cable and it and it's on yeah. Netflix for a while, and I just think Hope it's so, going to keep going because it's so interesting. It. It's a lot of good work, and he's another great director, Stephen Queen. When you're doing in Bruges or Seven Psychopaths or something like yeah. that, is it a little bit more like the safety's off? Like, do you not do you not have that thing in the back of your head that is? modulating your accent and doing stuff like that is like is there a little bit of freedom doing doing something like that in my own accent yeah yeah absolutely um and that's the go look the, i'm thinking in brew on dean i did a very thick accent that even though it's irish was is Still. as is as distant for me as texas um but i do have a freedom yeah doing me you know but there's sometimes when I've done an accent, there's been, and not every time, and that's the concerning thing for me personally, but there has been times where I felt complete freedom with an accent I was doing. And and some of it is down to, there are phonetic sounds that are more, that are closer to an Irish, like Southern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A Southern accent is has so many kind of, um, so many parallels in, in the way it sounds and in the, the shape the mouth makes and where the tongue rests in the mouth with Irish accents. So those ones I have New York for some reason. And I think because, you know, the New York accent is an amalgam of many different cultures arriving in New York and, and, you know, a pronounced culture in the New York experience from its, from its, its settlement on up was the Irish influx. Um, so there are accents, but, but ideally look, I'll have done enough work by the time I get yeah. in front of the camera that there is a freedom, but of course doing my own accent, but as well doing my own accent. Also, there's a catch, which is, I feel like myself, Yeah. which is the, the negative aspect of it. I, I feel like I'm a little, the, the, the line isn't as definitive between me and the character I'm playing, which can be a bit sure. of a, a head fuck as well. Do you want to hear Chris's imitation of Bono scolding the crowd? <laughs> I was good. The first thing I was going to ask when I came in was, <laughs> was is there any chance I could hear Chris's Bono. imitation? No, well, there's like this famous when U2 was doing Octung Baby. Yeah. They used to do a bit where he would call President, I think we called President, was it Bush? President Bush. He would call, he's like, excuse me, Mr. President. I want to tell you about the environment. And he would call like the White House every night. And it's on YouTube. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's, I don't it's know. I think this, is, this is Bono if he's from Belfast. Yeah. Belfast Bono. Belfast Bono. That should be your new stick, man. Belfast Bono. It's pretty Belfast. much my old yeah. stick. Yeah. This is great. Yeah, Belfast Bono. Belfast what's, Bono. The, what's the best Irish movie of all time? Ooh. Is there a leader? What's the Citizen Kane of Ireland? Uh, I mean, I, I, can I toss a coin? I can pick two. Yeah, yeah pick two. Uh, the Commitments of My Left Foot. The Commitments oh. is a fucking masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. It's so Alan good. Alan Parker at the peak of his, I don't know why of his prowess. It doesn't get an thrown around. An amazing cast of actors, musicians, non-actors who all blend seamlessly. And just a gut-wrenching story of a dream nearly realized, you yeah. know, and then falling apart like a Zeppelin in flames at the very last <laughs> minute. When that limousine pulls up 
and you know he's in the back of the limousine yeah. on his way to see the gig but they finished and they've all already imploded you know and he asks Jimmy Rabbit for the directions to the gig and uh, it's, it's a brilliant film start to finish and it's also an incredibly um, uh, socially responsible film as to Dublin at that time and the poverty mm -hmm. that was prevalent in Dublin at that time you know and then My Left Foot is just extraordinary as well I mean you just have You've got, uh, wasn't that his breakout movie? I mean, yeah. he already broken out, but that was the one where people, people like, were this just guy's like, that was when the whole yeah. room was standing up, yeah, for yeah. the first time and going, okay, there's something really abnormally special going on here. Yeah. But Brenda Fricker in there as well, yeah. you know, like just brilliant actors and Jim Sheridan again at the peak of his powers yeah. as a filmmaker, you know. Mm. Uh, best Irish sports movie? Best have we had one? Do we have a best Irish this sports could be, movie? This could be your, this could be your next, movie. next yeah, project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's what about like three brothers on, on the soccer team? I'll try to make just, the national team or something. I just thought of... V, uh, Rugby? Victory. Escape to Victory. Do you remember Escape to Victory? Are yeah. You, <laughs> this is like it. one of his favorite movies. It's it? an all-time classic. Yeah, yeah, Who yeah. is the Irish guy in that movie? Was there an Irish they guy? That, they had the Irish guy. They didn't in have that. George Best, wasn't it? No, it was there. the goalie. Broke his arm. He was the Irish guy. They talked no, the Irish no, guy no. into so breaking Sylvester his Stallone arm. No, no, no. Sylvester Stallone was the goalie. Yeah, but he was the goalie because they talked the original goalie into breaking his arm so they could all escape. <laughs> and the guy was like, all right, cool. And they bro broke his arm. Remember to escape. Let's look it up right I now. I can't remember. But I remember Ozzy Ardiles was in there. Oh, was, that's the last 30 minutes of that movie is. I think my favorite sports movie stretch. It's incredible. Do you know what? I haven't seen it's, that in it actually, 20 plus years now. Because what happened initially, it was on TV. It was the square, and he filmed it completely vertical. Like, yeah. I mean, a horror. Wide screen. Yeah, wide yeah. screen. Yeah, yeah. Right. So now that the TVs have caught up with it, you can see, like, all the plays, and it's, it's like, out of control. Who's the artist? Sly Stallone as the goalie was a little bit of a reach, but terrible. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I mean, they had to get As a in. former keeper, you were probably His just, like, really. technique was just <laughs> Well, plus he catches the penalty kick, which is the least realistic like, sports movie in his, moment. in his belly. Yeah, for in his belly. Or was it, was it there? Was it there? No, no he pulls it, was it back a bit. in. Do you think that anybody could make a good movie out of Roy Keane's life? Ah, uh, Keane is a... So Roy Keane is like this... Yeah. One of the most famous Irish athletes ever. He's a midfielder who played for Manchester United. Of course but, they could. Yeah. He's a fast... Look, you can make a movie out of anybody's life. Human yeah. beings are interesting. There's no such thing as a boring person. There are people that will bore me. There are people that will bore yeah. you. But there's no boring person. There's just people that will bore me. They're not Wait, a boring person. How old are you now? I am bored by them. Doesn't make them boring. Yeah. Human beings are fascinating. The stories we carry with us. I'm how old 40, are you now? I'm 42. Oh, you got three years left. You got a sports movie in you. Just bang one out. Three years left. To do soccer? I tore my ACL seven well, months ago, man. Physically, you were three years. Did you ever do recovering it? recovering from your ACL injury from <laughs> one last. Good. It's the actor <laughs> who wants to be in the victory remake. He wants to be in the escape from victory He's sequel. taking HGH and yeah. microfracture surgery. Meanwhile, I'm over here fulfilling my new employment as researcher for this podcast. <laughs> I'm trying to find out who the goalkeeper was in Escape to Victory. Yeah, he was the, they talked the Irish guy into breaking his own arm. Who I always felt that? like as, as a 20 Do you think he was a goalkeeper or was he an actor? Well, he was the actor playing the playing goalkeeper. Kevin O'Callaghan? Yeah. That's Callaghan? who it was. Kevin O'Callaghan? Yeah. Callaghan? Yeah. They talked him into it. I never, it never sat right with me. Um, I obviously blanked the whole plot point. All right, this was fun. We turned you into a researcher. Yeah. We're, we, I'm good, right? Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask, great. I was just going to ask about the, t about TV stuff. Oh, let's do that. Let's do the TV stuff and then we'll wrap. Um, I actually, I, I actually really, I, I liked you are in the minority. No, I look, you were amazing. <laughs> on no, that show. we, on we uh, it's, man, it's come they, around, they, it's come around. I'm telling you, the blades were sharpened. It's I mean, just you know, the first, happens. the first season was so strong, you know, and it came out of nowhere. This didn't come out, there was all that expectation, you know. Again, it's not for me to say it, it really. I, I, I don't, I have no desire to say what its worth is or isn't. All I know is I loved working on it. Mm -hmm. Like loved working on it. I loved that character. I loved working with Nick Pizzolatto. Uh, I think Nick is is an extraordinary writer and philosopher, actually. Uh, and I saw the second, the third season. I yeah, the rehearsal. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, we did like a bunch of stuff on that. I it was, was really fantastic. Good. Are you home? Are you like when you go home at night? Are you are you usually watching new stuff, new movies, or are you going back and watching older movies? Are you watching? All the TV that's on now, like not all the TV, bits and pieces of TV. Um, I watched. I finally watched all the Game of Thrones about a year. No, maybe a year and a half ago. Oh yeah, I watched the five. Was it five? You could have cameoed on that show for like two episodes. I did. 
No, you could have. Oh, yeah, I could have. You could have gone in there. Just been some crazy prince. Another opportunity missing. Crazy Dialed prince. it up. Yeah. Dialed it up for two episodes. Crazy killed bad night. Prince with a dodgy ACL. <laughs> really? Just how many gigs can we make yeah. that work for? Yeah. But I, I watch it, man. Every, old films, black and white. Yeah. You know, I watched Dublin Indemnity a couple of weeks ago. I watched new stuff, The Rider. Um, yeah. Did you watch Derry? I, I watched Blaze a couple of times. you seen Blaze? Ethan Hawke. Oh, the Ethan Hawke movie, yeah. Oh, yeah. shit, that is tasty. Yeah. Oh, he seems like you're, we we've had him on the pod, and he was unbelievable. And he seems like your kind of guy. He's so tasty. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see Dairy Girls? No, I hear it's great. It is really funny. Yeah. Second so season. Mustang last week. Yeah. With uh, what's his name? Matthias Schoenbart. Yeah, Schoenhart. Yeah, Schoenhart. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. So, what do your know. next five years look like? You're just making. Making stuff. Just this, man. I just hopefully can, you know, find my way in front of a microphone, if not a camera, and, and keep working for a living. Yeah, your Irish Irish soccer movie. The national Irish team. Movie. The three brothers. That's the one. You're yeah. 42, Starring Kevin but O'Callaghan you're still Kevin O'Callaghan. Kevin O'Callaghan. Kevin O'Callaghan Jr. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you find most of the interesting stuff you're reading now is designated for TV, or is it is it a mix? A lot of this, a lot of the strongest. Oh, that's writing, a good question. A lot, a lot of the strongest writing seems to be finding its way to TV. You know. Were you going to do Oliver North for your? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we you? were. We were with Amazon and then a bunch of stuff happened at Amazon and it got put in the back. I don't know where that is now. Great script. Jesus, talk about a satire done just beautifully. Um, yeah, Yorgos really wanted to direct it. I don't know, that might come around again. There's no government scandals anymore, so it's not that timely, right? Yeah, yeah this yeah, would yeah. be the last, yeah, that exactly. was the last one. <laughs> Everything's plain sailing these days. Well, I'd imagine with TV, the talented people are drifting to TV because you have more control over what you're doing and... No, no, you've more control over doing. You've more time. More you, time. You've more time to get familiar with the characters and, yeah. and to explore a greater degree of detail. I would say, you know, I mean, that's certainly it. people were asking you know, what was the difference between True Detective and shooting a film. I said there was no real difference. The cranes were all there. I mean, you know, the trailers were big and the food was grand. And but I had, you know, this these uh, eight scripts to work off, and yeah. I got to really. I felt by virtue even before I did the first episode by virtue of just having that much material and that much kind of character detail. I got to know, um, I got to know that character, Ray Velcro pretty well. I mean, this, the process is so. That was an accent I felt pretty, I could have, I could have improvised. Ray's? All day. Yeah. 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 Whatever was good or bad or irrelevant. I felt like I could have just. He riffed. had that, like that cigarette blasted. Yeah. Yeah. Larynx kind of voice, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of an old fashioned lawman. Yeah. Yeah. From another era. Yeah. yeah, the the process of we had Bill Hader was here last week and or actually Monday. Um, but you know he's in the middle of making Barry, making eight episodes, and the bar is so high now for these television shows that they're really like movies. Like those Thrones guys are finished; they're making their last season. They're making six a nine-hour movie yeah. basically, or an eight-hour movie, it? and it's, it's like amazing. it has to be at the same level. I of, cannot and, wait to see it. It's insane. Yeah, it's a lot of um, good stuff. A lot of good work out there for writers and, and filmmakers. All right, so see Dumbo. Give us sure. the one sentence sell for Dumbo. You really have to sell Dumbo? Yeah, no, just give you, I want to hear from him. I want his one sentence, I want his pitch. See Dumbo because you want to. Okay, great. That's perfect. <laughs> All right, man. Call fat. I hope your knee, I hope it recovers. Thanks, Bob. Is it 100% yet? No, another seven or eight months. All right, you got it. Thanks uh, for coming on.